Yeah, wow, you may go ahead and be seated. And uh, man, welcome today. Welcome to those of you who are here in-house. Welcome to those of you who are uh, watching or listening online. If we've not met, my name's Chris. And I want to start off by asking you a question. Have you ever been in a situation, in a, in a moment, in a season, whatever it might be, where you just didn't know what to say? Or you didn't know what to do, and you just sort of felt paralyzed in the moment? I had one of those situations about 13 years ago when my oldest, who's Jackson, uh, and my wife and I, Renee and I, we were getting ready to fly to Ohio. And we had just boarded the plane, and we were just getting seated in our seats and situated, you know. And I was in the middle seat. Renee was next to the window, and we were, there was another gentleman sitting in, next to me on the aisle seat. And Jackson had just finished a bottle. You know where this is going, right? And so here I am sitting, not thinking anything of it, and all of a sudden, Jackson decided to lose about half of his lunch on the poor guy sitting next to me, his lap. It went down under him on his seat. I mean, he was just covered in that. And in that moment, <laughs> I didn't know what to do. Here I am holding Jackson, and I, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh my gosh, I, I can't fix this. So what does any new dad do? He pulls out a wet wipe and says, would you like a wet wipe? Uh, thankfully, the guy was nice. Uh, he got over it. He, didn't, he wasn't angry, or at least he didn't show me that he was angry about that. But that was how we started off our three-hour flight uh, to Ohio. But have you ever been in a situation like that? Uh, maybe not a, a, a funny situation, but maybe a, more of a serious situation where, where you are aware of someone else's pain and hurt or suffering, that they're going through something incredibly difficult in life. And there you are, and you don't know what to say, and you don't know what to do. Over the course of this series that we have been in over the last few weeks called Does the Church Care, we've looked at some important things. The first week we, we looked at suffering, this idea that when we suffer, that it's not just a meaningless thing to, uh, to, to try to get past, that it's not just something that's holding us back, but that in our suffering, because God is who he is, that he can actually leverage our suffering and use it to form us, to shape us into more of the image of his son, that that's what he uses suffering for, no matter what kind of suffering it is, that he uses it for a purpose. And then last week, we talked about this idea of comfort. Oftentimes, as human beings who have a need for comfort, a need for security, a need for safety, that we will chase lots of other types of comfort, counterfeit comforts that overpromise and underdeliver every single time. Instead, though, God himself offers us his comfort, which is what? Remember what the word was that we talked about last week? That he draws near to us. That in our season of suffering, that he is not only with us, but that he is in us, companioning us in our pain. And just like I promised, this week we are going to get super practical. What does it look like for us as the church to care for those who are hurting? We're going we're gonna to talk about some really uh, important and practical things that you can do starting today. Um, and uh, because here's the thing, here's, here's one of the statements we've been looking at each week is this, is that the church should be the most caring group of people on the planet. Now, I'd love to hear from you how you respond to this statement. Because my guess is that for some of you, you respond to this statement really well. And you think, yeah, 
I've experienced that. You can think back to specific times in your life that were hard and, and how you had the church, your community, your people around you come and support you and care for you and lift you up and encourage you through that season of pain. And others, I'm sure you can look back and think, man, this, this isn't true. Because in my experience, when I've gone through difficulties, I've, I've looked around and, and nobody was there or, or there were promises that were left unfulfilled. What, what, what's your experience like? Uh, what is your experience like about this comment? You see, for some of us, it, it, we need to go back and look at, the, at, at who the church is. When I say the church should be the most caring group of people, who is it that I mean? Now, for some of us, I mean, we might have the experience or the understanding that the church are the pastors, that when it comes to caring, that when it comes to my, my needs, when I'm suffering, when I'm going through something difficult, that the pastor or the pastoral staff need to be there. Or maybe others of you, when you think of this statement, you think of uh, the, the church staff or your, your, your community group leaders, or, who, or whatever it might be. Maybe when you think of the church, you think of the building, and so this statement doesn't really make sense to you at all. Uh, but here's the thing, is if, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are the church, and you have a role to play. You see, every now and then, the reason I bring this up is because every now and then I talk with someone who, uh, who, whose experience has not been that statement, that they look back and they're like, man, nobody was there for me. Sometimes they, they, are, they direct their anger at me or to Pastor Matt or to one of the other pastors or the staff. And they say, look, when, when I was going through this difficult time, when my family was struggling, you guys weren't there. Now, I want to stop and, and, and first of all say that it, it might be true that we, that we don't claim to get it right all of the time. And if that is truly your experience, I am very sorry for that because that's not how it should be. But sometimes the conversation continues like this and the story goes like this. Man, Chris, where were you at? You guys weren't there for me. My small group, they called me a lot. They brought over meals for me. They, they, come, they came over and prayed with me and hung out with me and spent some time with me and, and all of that. And, and we got together every week. But you guys, the church, you failed me. And I just want to stop right there and say that if that is maybe your experience, I just want to clarify that that is a win for us. That if you're going through a difficult time and your community group, your people, the people you're closest with within the body of Christ are the ones who are caring for you and myself or Pastor Matt are the last ones to hear about it, that is a win for us because our job is not to be the ones who are there for every single one of you. I mean, look around. We would have nothing else. We, we wouldn't be able to do it all. But our job is instead to really equip you, the, the, the followers of Jesus, the church, to be the most caring group of people on the planet. And so what does that look like? How do we do that? How do we become the most caring group of people on the planet? Well, we're gonna look at the same passage in 2 Corinthians that we've looked at for every, uh, every week throughout the course of this series. And, I, and every week, I'm just gonna encourage you to continue to look at this, especially if you're going through a difficult time. Look at these verses, get them into your heart and your mind, because I think God has something here for us. And so as we read through these verses today, what I want you to do is specifically be looking at what are those practical ways that we care for each other? Okay, because they're in here. They might be a little hidden, but they're here, all right? Let's read together. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation, and if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. Verse 8, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia, for we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Okay, let's get practical. What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you say when you don't know what to say? There's three things that Paul talks about here, three things that are represented that if you do these three things, no matter what it is that's going on around you, no matter the type of suffering that someone is facing, no matter the type of pain, the season of life that they're going through, you can do these three things all the time, no matter what's going on, all right? The three things are these, presence, empathy, and prayer. Presence, empathy, and prayer. And so we're going to spend our, the rest of our time just talking about what do these three things look like? How do we do them? How do we leave today and actually begin to, to apply these tools in our lives uh, for those around us who are hurting? Now, when it comes to helping those who are hurting, I just want to say one quick thing before we dive into these three, is that every situation is different. Every wound is different. Every trial, every, every season of suffering that anybody is going through is different. So hear me, I'm not saying that when someone in your community is suffering that these three things are all that you should be doing. Okay, these three things are a great place to start. There's other times where we actually have to move in action. For example, if someone in your community group uh, or in your world says, man, I don't know how we're going to feed my family this month. What you should not say is, man, I'm going to be praying for you and then leave it at that. What you should say is as you're praying, you're also cooking up a big pot of chili and getting ready to go stock their freezer. You know what I'm saying? There's times where we have to be moved into more action, and there's other times where we can simply just be present, empathize, and pray. And so we're going to talk about those three things today, okay? And so let's talk about the first one, presence. And it's in verse 4. In chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says this, God, who comforts us in all our affliction, and here it is, so that, so that, in order to, for the purpose of us being able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the, with the same comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you remember last week when we looked at this idea, this word comfort, what it meant in the Greek, that literally what it was was to draw near, 
that, that God comforts us in our pain, that literally he is with us and in us, that he companions us in our pain, that the God of all the universe draws near to us in our pain, that that's the kind of, uh, of comfort that he offers us. And so it's, we are comforted, Paul says, we are comforted by God so that in order to comfort other people. You see, we might wrongly think that God's comfort is just simply so that we feel better. God's comfort so that my pain subsides or so that my suffering ends. But no, Paul here says, look, if you're comforted by God, it is for the purpose of comforting someone else. And so let's take that same idea of comfort, drawing near. God draws near to you and your suffering, and guess what? So that you can draw near someone else who is suffering. You see, oftentimes we do the opposite. Like, let's just be honest for a moment. Someone who's a hot mess, someone who's going through it, someone who's got their life is upside down. We don't know what to do. We don't know what to say. And so what do we do? Like, oh, let's walk, let's have a wide girth around them in the church foyer. I don't want to get too close. I don't really know what to say. I don't know what to do. So I'm not sure what to do. But Paul here says, look, if you are comforted by God for anything, it was so that you would draw near to others. You see, the presence that he's talking about here is this intentional presence. It's sitting with someone in their pain. It's giving them a phone call during the week and just saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. It's, it's getting together for a cup of coffee just to, to be there, to listen, to be present. And here's the thing, it's not to fix them. This is what freaks us out sometimes about other people's pain, right? Is that we think, I gotta have the right answer. I gotta, have, I gotta know the right Bible verse. I gotta have the right Christian cliche to give them. I gotta have the right solution so that when they're done meeting with me, that their life is like this pretty little happy, happy, happily ever after sort of situation. But here's the thing is, is, is you don't have to fix anybody. In fact, if, if you go through Stephen ministry, this is one of the things that we hammer into our Stephen ministers is that fix is a four letter word. You can fix your car, you can fix your dishwasher, but don't fix people. Guess what? Because nobody likes to be someone else's project. And fixing people doesn't actually work. One of the things we talk about in, in Stephen ministry is that we are the caregivers and Christ is the cure giver. That if there's anybody who's going to be curing the situation, if there's any gonna, anyone who's going to be, bring resolve to a situation, it is Jesus himself, that our role is simply to be the ones who care. Now, if you have the tendency to be a go-getter, to put on your work gloves and go into someone's situation and try to fix them, this should really be, uh, this should be a relief for you. It should be a relief for you that you don't have to, to do it. And in fact, if we're honest, when I feel the need to fix someone else's situation, it has more to do with my discomfort than it has anything to do with really wanting to help them. Someone else's pain is so uncomfortable for me that I feel like I have to fix it. And here's the thing, fixing never works, but even if it did, if I truly believe that in someone's pain, God is working like we talked about week one, that he is leveraging it for their good and for his glory, and that he's using it to form within them the image of Christ, why would I want to put a stop to that? 
Why would I want to fix their suffering in the first place? So it's simply just being present with them. Paul says it another way in Galatians chapter 6, in another letter to another church. He says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The burdens that he's talking about here are the emotional loads, the, the, the toll of life that someone is carrying. Paul doesn't say go into someone's situation and fix it for them. He says go in and along with them bear the burden, bear the weight of the burden. Peggy Reynoso in the book The Kingdom Life, she explains it really well. She says this, as we do the work of Christ, we lift heavy loads for others in many ways. We also unburden those in emotional and physical pain by fixing all of their problems. No, she doesn't say that. We also unburden those in emotional and physical pain by simply entering into their place of suffering with them, crying with them, and carrying their pain in prayer to the great comforter. You see, that's what Paul is talking about here, is that we are entering in with intentional presence. And as we do that, we are bearing their burdens. And here's one of the most important things about being present to somebody, is listening. In fact, if all you did was listen, that would be a huge, huge step forward for most of us. Because here's the thing, and this is a bit of a soapbox for me, because I'm convinced listening is a lost art in today's world, isn't it? When was the last time you actually felt heard by somebody? It usually doesn't happen. Why? Because we have so many things going on. We have so many things to talk about. As you're talking, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next, especially if we disagree. I'm coming up with my rebuttal, and we're having a conversation. I'm not actually hearing what you're saying, uh, and you're not actually hearing what I'm saying. We're really just hearing what we're saying. But man, when we stop and when we intentionally step into a space with somebody and are present with them and listen, oh my goodness, it's a powerful thing. In fact, sometimes people just need that. People just need to be heard. We talk about listening a lot in Stephen ministry, and every time we do a whole training session, we have people who come back and say, man, this is great, but you got to believe me, my marriage is so much better because of Stephen ministry training. And we're like, well, why is that? Because you taught me how to listen. And for the first time in 50 years, my wife feels like I'm listening to her. So, hey, if, if maybe you're in a marriage and you're not listening well, come to Stephen ministry training. But no, seriously, it's a beautiful thing when, when, when you're just heard. And when we listen, we listen well. We listen to all that they're saying. We listen to their body language. We listen to the content. We listen to the feelings. We listen to their questions without giving easy answers. We listen to what's going on, and this is such a powerful thing. In fact, if you're present and listening to someone, that can really just pave the way for their healing. So let me ask you this. Who in your life right now, who, who comes to mind? Maybe someone at work, maybe someone in your community group, maybe someone sitting in this room right now, or sitting with you as you're watching online, who in your life do you need to draw near to? Who in your life do you need to intentionally be present 
with. The next thing that we're going to look at is empathy. And Paul says it this way in verse 5. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is, shake, is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. There's a key word in these verses said four times, and it's the word share. Paul's talking about sharing in affliction and sharing in comfort. Now, this is weird for us because we don't love to share in affliction. We love to share the good things, which is why we have parties and birthday parties and anniversary celebrations and Super Bowl parties and whatever it is, right? We love to get together and share in good moments and good seasons of life. But when it comes to our afflictions, when it comes to our pain and our suffering, we don't even want to think about sharing that. Like, whoa, whoa, that's, that's your thing. But here Paul says, look, we need to share in the afflictions of another. You see, when we're suffering ourselves, we learn how to suffer well with other people. What Paul's talking about here is empathy. If you're wondering what is empathy, it's this. It's when I connect to a feeling in me that connects with a feeling in you. When someone's going through a hard time and, and they're expressing what's going on in them, is there something in me that I can connect with that you are feeling? You see, I'm not judging you. I'm not denying your feelings. I'm not trying to correct your feelings. I'm also not offering cheap sympathies. Like someone comes to you and they're pouring your heart out, their heart out to you and you say something like, you know, when God closes one door, he opens a window. That's not, that's not what we're doing here. Everything's going to be all right. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is connecting to the same emotion. Now, you don't have to go through the same thing. Here's, here's where some people get confused about empathy is, well, I haven't been through that so I can't actually empathize with them. That's not exactly true. In fact, no matter what it is they're going through, no matter what it is you're going through, you haven't been through the same thing. In fact, if you're ever tempted to tell somebody, I know what you're going through, just don't say that. Don't say that. Because even if your situation is close to theirs, you're not the same person. You don't have the same circumstances around that situation. Even if you feel like you totally understand what they're going through, you don't because every situation is unique. But here's what you can connect to, is if they're experiencing grief, is there a place in your heart, in your life, where you can connect to experiencing grief? If they're experiencing anger and confusion and frustration or whatever it is, shame, can you connect to that feeling? And as you do, as you empathize, you simply reflect it back to them. For example, here's a concrete example. Someone comes to you, and after a 35-year run at marriage, their marriage is falling apart. And as they're pouring their heart out to you, you've never been divorced. You, you don't know what that's like. You haven't been through the same situation. I already mentioned that. But you sense this incredible sense of of grief and loss and shame and confusion. And, and what you can say back to them, it, sympathy would be this, man, I'm really sorry you, you're having such a hard time. At least you had a really great marriage while it lasted. That's sympathy. 
That's just offering some, some, some unhelpful cliches, but empathy is, is entering into their pain. Empathy is this, is, it's, man, I can hear the grief and the loss and the, the anger and the confusion that's just crushing your soul. Man, that must be so overwhelming for you. Do you hear the difference? It's connecting with what they're feeling. And it's not judging them. This is an important piece. Someone might come to you and say, man, I'm angry at God. How in the world can he let me do this? I'm, I'm angry at God. He let me down. Why in the world would God be so mean to me and punish me like he's been doing? Empathy isn't, no, you're not mad at God. You're just mad at yourself. You're mad at the situation. Da, da, da. Empathy is this, man, it must be really hard to be so angry at the God that you've been following for so long. You see the difference? And there's power in empathy because it validates, it normalizes what they're going through and it builds trust and it opens the door for more healing. So who around you is hurting? Who is it that, you're, that you need to draw near to and who is it that maybe you need to empathize with, that you need to enter into their suffering with them? You need to share in the affliction that they are going through. And then finally, in verse 11, he talks about prayer. He says this, you must also help us by prayer. Pretty plain and simple. You must also help us by prayer. Now, this is one of my biggest pet peeves is that this often becomes the cop out for us. I mean, if we're honest, how many times have we been talking with someone and, and we say, oh man, I'm gonna, pray for, I'm gonna pray for you this week. I'm praying for you. If we're honest, though, we, we just haven't. We haven't, we haven't been doing it. We haven't been praying for them. We, we use it just as, as to kind of wrap up the situation. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be praying for you. But, but here's the thing. The fact that we get to go in front of almighty creator God on behalf of someone else, that we get to go to our loving father and plead with him to work in powerful ways on, in someone else's life. Like how in the world did that ever become nonchalant and, and complacent for us? How did that ever become just an empty platitude? You know, in just a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And, and in one of the songs, there's a line that says, when I fight, I fight on my knees. And here's my question is, when is the last time you did that? When is the last time you did that on someone else's behalf, that you went before God on your face and begged him for them? God, would you work in this person's life? Would you show them your goodness? Would you show them your faithfulness? Would you build their faith? Would you show them that you are trustworthy, that you are good? God, would you bring about in them what it is that you have planned since the beginning of time? God, would you work in this person's life and comfort them? Would you draw near to them? When was the last time you've done that? That you've begged God on someone else's behalf? You see, if we only knew, Louis Giglio says it this way, if we only knew what was happening when we pray, we would never cease to pray. You see, when we pray, things unseen begin to move, that the spiritual world around us begins to move, that God and his armies of angels begin to move and work in certain ways and do certain things that we might not ever see. 
only if we could see what was happening. When was the last time you prayed for someone? Man, I love it when someone is talking with me and, and it's almost a surprise to them because I'll say, can, I, can we pray? And they're thinking, yeah, like, like everybody else says, like, you'll pray for me this week. No, 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 right now in this shopping mall, in this grocery store and in the church lobby, like, let's just pray right now. And man, it just lifts their souls. You see, this is why we take prayer so seriously. This is why we have an entire team of people here who pray with people, led by Loretta Dudley, people praying every weekend for you here in-house and online, people who are praying throughout the week. We send out weekly prayer emails every week to hundreds of people praying and lifting up the needs of our people to God. When is the last time and, and who do you need to pray for today? You see, we, we offer intentional presence, empathy, and prayer. And one last thing about caring for those around you is know your limits. Know your limits. These three things are great, but sometimes more is needed. If my kid comes to me because they broke their arm falling off of a hoverboard, I don't pretend to know how to fix it. I don't also say, well, I'm going to pray for you, and man, I'm empathizing. That must really hurt. And then, oh, you know what? I think I can set this and let me go get some plaster out of the garage and I can wrap it up and we'll be fine. You'll be as good as new. No, no, no. I take you to someone who knows how to help. And there might be someone in your life who's hurting that maybe needs to go and see a counselor, maybe needs to go and see a pastor, maybe needs to go and talk to their medical doctor, maybe needs to to have a Stephen minister come alongside them. Knowing your limits is an important part. Now, finally, as we wrap up, I just want to talk to those of you who are hurting, who are, who are in that season of pain right now. Chances are you feel totally isolated. You see, there's something isolating about our pain. In and of itself, when you're experiencing pain, nobody else knows exactly what you're going through. Nobody else is really speaking the same language, even when you try to explain to somebody what's going on. Like, there's this isolating thing about pain You're angry, you're mad, you're confused, you're hurt, and so it's so easy then to isolate, and and what started as a painful moment is now a hundred times worse because you're alone. And, And hear me on this, the enemy wants nothing more than to isolate you. The enemy wants nothing more than to destroy you by isolating you from anybody else. And so for some of you today, maybe that means that you need to take a step away from isolation. You need to take a step toward community. Maybe you need to ask for it. Maybe that's sitting down with a trusted friend and saying, hey, I need this from you. I need to share something with you. Maybe it's asking for a Stephen minister or meeting with a counselor. Maybe it's taking a step of vulnerability in your community group that you're already a part of. Maybe it's pouring out your heart a little bit more to them. You see, community groups, man, they are such an important part of what this care looks like within the church. James and Tiffany do an amazing job of not only coordinating and resourcing our community groups, but ensuring that our community groups are places of care, that that people are going there and finding what they need together, that, that we're caring for one another. If you're not in a community group, sign up for one yesterday. That's how important it is. You should do that. Ask for it. Lean into community. Now, you might be thinking, like, yeah, Chris, this all sounds great. Like, 
presence and empathy and prayer. Like, this all sounds great, but, but here's the thing is, all of that is just a tiny little picture of what Jesus is, is like. Did you know that? Maybe that's confusing to you. So here's what I mean by that is that Jesus is the perfect picture of this, that, that we already talked about that, how he companions us in our pain, that his presence is here with us, that, that, that he empathizes with us. Did you know that in scripture, it's really clear that, that Jesus not only understands what we're going through, but that he shares, that he empathizes with us in our pain. He knows what it is you're going through. If anybody can say, I know what you're going through, it's him. And did you also know that the Holy Spirit of God is praying for you right this very second? Did you know that? What kind of king does that? What kind of king enters into the pain, enters into the slums, shares in your pain, shares in your suffering? What kind of king companions you in that? And not only that, but the king that is praying for you right now. You see, this is the king that loves you more than you could ever dare imagine. That's who. He loves you, and he's waiting for you. For some of you, that's the first step, is turning to him. Would you turn to him today? Let's pray together. Father, we come to you and we thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you are the kind of king who doesn't run away from our pain, but you run into our pain. Lord, you, you share it with us, you empathize with us, and, and your spirit is interceding on our behalf. God, you are so good to us. I pray for those who are hurting today. I pray that, that they would find themselves surrounded by the most caring group of people on the planet. That through their season of suffering, that they would find themselves with, with load bearers. God, people who will come alongside and bear the burdens. God, for the rest of us, would you show us who it is that we need to bear the burdens of? Would you show us who it is we need to draw near? Would you show us, God, who's near us that we need to pray for, earnestly pray for? God, we thank you so much for it. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, if maybe you took a step toward him today for the first time, just text the name Jesus to the number on the screen or that was on the screen. There it is. We'd love to talk with you and pray with you. So every weekend we remember the torn body of Christ and the spilled blood of Christ. The God who empathizes with us, who shares in our affliction, who prays for us, who came to save us, would you remember together? Friends, we're going to stand and respond to our good king by singing. If you would like prayer right now, we have people who are going to be over here. We'd love to pray with you or click the button online and someone will pray with you online. All right, let's stand.